Welcome to Lady BizWiz, where we help you focus, execute, and get results as you take your business from concept to market. Today, we'll hear the first part of a two-part series titled 10 Myths of Business. And in case you haven't heard yet, Amy Shippey's new book, The Lady BizWiz Quick Launch Guidebook, is now available in ebook form on Amazon. Let's listen in now as Amy dispels common myths people believe about owning a business. Well, Merry Christmas to everyone. It is Monday, and we are just a few days away from Christmas. We're on the last-minute countdown here. I hope everyone has gotten all their gifts wrapped and ready to go, all your plans in place. Amy, how are you feeling this week? You know, I am always thankful for this time of year because my husband does all of that. You're so lucky. It is not my thing. I mean, I, I, I think of so many things, but Christmas is weirdly not my thing, but it's my husband's like super thing. He loves it. And so he, outside of the food, which is my thing, he, my husband does all the Christmas shopping. He wraps all the gifts. It's actually a surprise. I never know what anybody's getting. And no, it's so it's. And honestly, of all the years, the last nine years have been super insanely busy. Um, I've had probably the most relaxing December that I can think of in years. So I'm, you know, it's just been, it, it's, so no, I love, I mean, I'm feeling like the love of this time of year, actually. But truthfully, the um, the Christmas stuff is probably more of my husband's super strength than me. Well, we have a lot to celebrate um, today. It is our 20th episode of Lady Bizwiz. Woohoo! And we, every week, thanks to y'all that are listening and, you know, possibly sharing it or whatever, but our listening, you know, our our little count keeps going up each week. Now, you know, we're not, you know, global or anything, but, (laughs) you know, I'm very thankful for that as we just have kind of started this just really on kind of a lark and um, we, we keep, you know, our, our listening listeners keep going up each week. So pretty happy about that. We're excited um, for what we've accomplished this year. It's been a great year. Um, for me in so many ways, I know for you too, Amy, there's been a lot of, of great opportunities, new, new opportunities opening up and, and we published just, the book. Yeah, we published the book and, and we need to put a plug in for that. Also, um, Amy's book, uh, Lady Bizwiz is on Amazon. T- yeah. I'm totally, I'm totally blanking on the title, even though I quick start guide. Yes. Um, something like that. Do we need to pull it up and look at the title? <laughs> we should know the title oh of our book. Gosh. Anyway, you can it's type a- Amy Shippy in the Amazon search, which I think is actually the coolest thing ever. So I sent it to my kids. I'm like, you can type my name <laughs> I'm in Amazon in the now. search bar of Amazon and it'll pop up. Yeah. So we're going to put a link in there. Uh, and it's in, on the, the website. Notes. So the web, the link is on the website, ladybizwiz.com. There's a quick link to it and um, you can purchase it directly through, through that. It's yeah, an so ebook right now. Ebook only right now. We released the ebook first. And what's the price on that, Amy? Four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. So grab one um, as you're sitting around. You have a little free time over the holidays. Um, you know, start your year out right and, and get some good get some good knowledge for the year ahead as you. And it really uh, is a quick start thing. It's not like a novel of two hundred pages. It's really not all that long, but it's really really to the point of of what you if you're thinking of a business for 2022 one's rolling around your head you think that's the year that you're going to execute it this is a perfect guide to kind of help get your thoughts in line as you you know start thinking about that that concept absolutely so we thought for our last well I don't know if this is gonna be the last podcast of the year maybe depending on how long we go but um for this podcast we're gonna we're gonna tackle some common business myths and so I have a list of 10 and Amy does not know any of them. She, this is a total surprise for her because I like to put her on the spot. She's really good impromptu. So Amy, you ready? You ready to just launch into this? I'm ready. 
All right, so we're going we're gonna to tackle some common business myths today. And the first one is this. So I want, I'm interested to see what you're going to say for this. Number one is the customer is always right. Oh, that's my favorite. I dealt with this this week, actually. So, you know, being right, in my opinion, is a perception. And, and so really, because it's a perception, a customer can believe that they're right. But a business owner can believe that they're right, too, because they're seeing it from a different angle. However, as a business owner, I would encourage you to look at the bigger picture. Because just because somebody's right does not necessarily mean that you have to be wrong. And sometimes just kind of trying to make your customer happy can serve a bigger advantage to you later on than kind of getting caught up in, in the small part of, of, of them not necessarily being right. They maybe didn't see it. Um, for instance, I had an example actually this week and it was a customer had and and I take some of the, I do take some of the responsibility. The the customer had messaged me on a well actually my rep had messaged me on a Tuesday about one of her customers and that is ended up where it kind of broke down because it ended up being kind of this telephone thing but saying that a customer wanted to place a reorder. Um, what was my turnaround time on some candles and it was on a Tuesday and I l- probably was driving. We're getting things out real fast right now, so I was like, you know, Friday. I mean, it was just a guess. And um, but the order came in the following day. The customer requested a proof. The proof didn't get approved till Thursday. So then, by the so by the time you get all of this, you have to make the candle, and the candle doesn't doesn't get shipped out the same day it's made because it has to harden. So really, by the time the turnaround got around, the order ended up going out on Tuesday, and basically arrived the following day or something. Anyway, from the time that we got the order to the time that it arrived was basically seven days. But when the order arrived, the customer was really upset that we had um, not done what we had guaranteed because she had an event that she had not shared with the rep who had not shared with me. So I didn't know. There was a deadline. There was a deadline. I just was making a guess. And so the lady was very upset by it. And at the end of the day, I, you know, I asked what she wanted. And, you know, she said that she wanted free shipping. And so I told her I'd give her free shipping on her next order. And that really upset her again that I was not, you know, she basically then got really kind of ugly and was like, if you're not, you know, that I wasn't an ethical person. And so that basically, you know, if I was an ethical person, I wouldn't have made the free shipping on the next order. I would have given her free shipping on the current order, which is what I ended up doing. Um, But after her, you know, and I ended up giving her free shipping on the order that she asked that she didn't say that, but that's what, you know, again, we're dealing with not, you know, clear communication, communication, communication issue. There was some communication breakdown. But again, I learned, you know, in this situation, I don't know who was right or who was wrong. And it really makes no difference is what I'm trying to say. Her perception is that she was right. And my perception is I had not dropped the ball. It's just by the time the timing of everything kind of came in, um, it was the best we could do. And again, I had no idea that we were dealing with some other parameters. And had I known that, I could have made a different decision. But I mean, so you have to kind of look at the bigger picture. Don't get really super caught up in who's right or who's wrong. Look at the bigger picture of where you want that relationship to go. That's a great answer. All right, let's move on to number two. So the second common business myth is this. Cheaper products are always best. No. 
No. Um, I Nothing that I do I would consider as a cheap product. I sell a cookie that's like $2.25. Definitely not a cheap cookie. I sell kitchen towels that they're a lot less expensive at Home Goods or Walmart. I am not out there being the cheapest product. And I don't think you need to be the cheapest. And unless that's your niche. Unless- I say, aren't there... I'm just thinking of other businesses that sort of that is their deal. Like right. their, their deal is we're the cheapest. We're going like, for example, Planet Fitness. Like you can get a membership at Planet Fitness for like nine nine a month. They're going for, they're going for numbers. Yes. Whereas like the family owned gym down the street is $50 a month. Planet Fitness, you know, they're, they're, that's their, that's their shtick is we're the cheapest. So, I mean, if that is your niche that you are trying to come in, there's a jewelry company out there too. I forget what it's, it's one of those MLM jewelry companies and their stick is like everything's $5 or less or something. Um, and obviously there's a place for that below zero dollar store. There are places for, for that. And if that's really where you identified that your business model goes, but it doesn't mean that they're always the best though. Well, typically they're not. They're not always the best. Yeah, I was going to say. Right. <laughs> but I'm not saying that, I mean, it just depends on what your vision is. I mean, I have a, I mean, I have a lady, she makes blankets and she hand, she's a good friend of mine and she hand weaves these blankets and these blankets are very expensive, but she's hand woven them. So she, again, is not going after a price point to be the cheapest. She's been able to differentiate her product by being, in her case, hand woven. It takes hours to weave these blankets it's a piece of art really it's a piece of art so really decide what it is that you're wanting I wouldn't say cheapest price is the king you know if you can differentiate yourself with service or you can differentiate yourself with a uniqueness to your product but if if your idea is to be cheapest I don't think that's a super competitive difficult place to be because somebody can always just undercut you and then where do you go from that so I don't necessarily think cheapest is best but um doesn't this also relate to kind of knowing your market too like knowing your audience who you absolutely who are you selling to yeah yeah I mean I, I yeah I would because I know you have certain products that are higher end and you kind of know who that market is and you have other products that are kind of suitable more suitable for everyone as far as price point yeah, but my product, no, nothing that I sell across the line is going to... really expensive. It, it's not really expensive, but nothing I sell across the line, I would go that I'm trying to be the cheapest in my space. I don't try to be the cheapest in my space in anything I sell. Good. Good stuff. All right. Great ideas equal great businesses. Myth number three. Yes and no, I guess. I mean, great ideas do obviously turn into great businesses, but I've also seen great ideas turn into no business. Um, I've seen poor ideas turn into great businesses too. You know, I think really the bigger myth on that one is, is how do you execute what the idea is? And I think the execution side of the idea actually is what takes your business to being a great business or not a great business. So Really, I don't think it comes down to the idea. I think it comes down to how you execute it. So it's more the how than the what. It's yes. more the how do you take your idea into, how do you bring an idea into reality and how do you execute it? And then how do you, diff- because I think, it, you know, again, I don't believe there's a tremendous amount of original ideas, but how do you set your business idea apart from somebody, I think is what makes it a great business. Are you familiar with the mint car wash model? The the, the mint, have you seen these around town? I've seen them. So I just think it's such a great, Okay, so let's think about the options you have for a car wash, right? You have your gas station car wash, which usually isn't great. You have your, you know, your detail places that cost maybe 20, 30 bucks, you know, and take maybe a half hour. They really, you know, deep clean. Um, but then in between, there's not much. There's not many, el- many other places. I guess you have some self-serve places, which I haven't seen less and less of those around. But Mint 
is this, it's a great model because for 10 bucks, you can go through their car wash, then you drive around and they've got all these vacuums are already always on. They've got the vacuum, they've got the high powered air hose that you can get the dirt out of the side. So it's, it's self, it's, it's kind of a combination of the automatic car wash plus the self-serve vacuum, but it's, it's set up in a way that's super easy to use. The va- like I said, the vacuums are always on. They've got rags. They've got they've got you know stuff you can spray the inside with. Just a quick, just a quick car wash for ten bucks. And I just I mean I, I think they're doing great. They're doing great business. But I think it's interesting how, I mean obviously it was a risk you know to to think okay we're, we can do car wash better. We can do kind of self serve and it's kind of a hybrid model. But to me it's I mean they're they're doing a great job. They're opening all, all kinds of new places. So. I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? Just finding that niche of so it is because my niche is the guy that'll come and wash my car while I'm at work, and that oh, is, is definitely there a guy not. That does that? There is a guy that does, it. and that's my kind of guy. So the guy I can go to work and they'll take okay, my car. Okay, but how much is that? Oh, it's like a hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I mean, I've gotten a hundred dollar detail before where I drop the car off and I like you pick it up four or five hours later. No, I don't, maybe it's not, maybe it's not that much. But anyway, it's it's works in my brain schedule because I can actually go to work and work and. I, I'm, just, I'm not somebody who likes to clean, so. I just, it irks me when I, when I try to do my own car wash and then I want to go to the vacuums and I don't happen to have four or eight quarters sitting on me to well, do I do love vac- that idea about not having to pay for the vacuum. Yeah, I mean, it's all, they're all just, they're all ready to go. Everything's right there that you need. And it's not like, I don't know, it just gets the car spiffed up without it being like I'm going to have to go. Clean. Yeah, you're going to have to check it out. I don't know why that came up, but I think I, because I was thinking about just ideas and execution and how, you know, it, you don't, your idea doesn't necessarily need to be novel. It might just no, be a new spin be. on a, on just a very... Just how do you carve out your yeah. niche? It's not about... I mean, again, I don't think there's a whole lot of super novel ideas, but you see businesses opening up every day that are successful because they have something in... A spin. That spins them out to be a little... That sets them apart. I'm thinking That's, about like the transformation of like uh, Blockbuster video to Redbox to, to download... Yeah, Netflix and... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we there's there's a lot of examples I think we could find of of well, those are examples of pivoting. So those you know from Blockbuster to Netflix to um, because when Netflix originally started, it their niche was that you got they rid of the, late, you the DVD and you got rid of the late fees because you only right. could get a new one back when you mailed back the DVD. So Blockbuster you know was always all the late fees that you could accumulate. So Netflix kind of came out with a different spin on that: no late fees. You put four in your queue. Whenever you returned them, you returned them, and then you could get four more. Um, but it wasn't, they weren't doing the late. So that was a different spin. And then really what ended up happening, I think, with Netflix is they saw opportunities as the streaming thing started to come in. And Blockbuster just could not make, they did not make the pivot. Right. Um, they did not think that was going to be something. And then, you know, Netflix starts streaming, and then Netflix starts producing original content. And so really Blockbuster, you know, went away. Right. Where Netflix... Um, but the novel, the original novel idea of Netflix was to, they could compete against Blockbuster because they could get rid of the late fees. That the and I know that because we were subscribers of yep. that, of that we were, I was too. And Ian used to always order movies to, that I, I, yeah, I was notorious for late fees. I would drive I around too. with my car for a week yeah, and I'm forget. I'm that person that has like library books yeah, that you I don't find, go you know. to the library because of that. <laughs> you owe like $50 to the library, don't you? I don't, no, I don't check anything <laughs> out. I'm horrible about returning stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean... Yeah, so I just don't do, utilize those services because yeah, it, I, uh, same I, for I, me. I get all the fees. <laughs> all right, so that was myth number three. This is myth number four. Friends make great business partners. I think friends make great collaborators and great encouragers and great, you know, people to cheer you on. 
business partners, opening a business together is not a whole lot different than getting married, to be honest. I mean, there's this there's this ability or necessity to to lean into each other you know business partners end up usually happening because each partner brings a different set of gifts to the table which is really great entrepreneurship is kind of lonely so you know going into something with your best friend does feel wonderful i mean and and, and i'm not saying it's not wonderful because i mean i've had the advantage of it being just you know an, an amazing experience and really a very successful experience but you know like all things sometimes you know vision shift or opportunities present themselves and just like in a marriage that business partnership has to go along with it and so it just can become kind of complicated if it's not executed perfectly you know I I'm just somebody who would probably say if you can, you know, have a friend that will help collaborate or have a friend that will help encourage probably more than I would say have a friend that would be a business partner uh, because it's just it, it can be trying. But I honestly had a great experience with it. You know, my business partner, I adore, to, you know, adore to this day like a sister. But, you know, it, I had just another business that was just taking me in a different direction. So, and, and that's just where it becomes difficult. But I'm not going to say yes or no is a myth. I'm just going to say think about it very seriously in the same terms that you would think about getting married. And I've, I've also seen, you know, fam- families in business together who struggle. I mean, it can be very difficult to run a business with people who are your family. Because business owners have different opinions and they're different people. And, and, I, and I guess that all I'm saying, all I would say is however you approach it, whether it's with your best friend or with a brother or with a, a father-son or a mother-daughter, um, realize that that business becomes its own entity and decisions have to be made. And how will those decisions be made between two personalities and what will be your problem solving if those two personalities don't agree? Because that's, it's not, the, the problem in the partnerships don't happen when everybody's on the same page. The, the breakdown happens when there's two di- very distinct opinions and they're not coming together. Right. Like I said, I would look at a business partnership with the same eye that you would look at a marriage because a business partnership is legally similar to a marriage. So I would look at with the same seriousness. It's very difficult to separate that. Once it's, it's difficult. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like a divorce. You have, have to this, divvy it I, up. I have this, I don't know if this is true or not, but I kind of have this theory that money um, is power in a relationship. And I think that's why you can see people struggle with money so much in marriages, because especially if one person's making all the money and the other person's not making any money, there, there can be an imbalance of power. So I think, I think whenever there's money and inside relationship, it can just cause, it can cause imbalance of power. So in a business partnership is a little bit different because honestly, when you're in a business, you know, you both kind of go in equal money wise, but what can end up happening is talents are different in a partnership. So you could have one person that tends to rise. Yes. And then you have one that just. And they're, and, they're bring, and they're bringing their gifts, but, but what can happen is a perception of imbalance. I'm contributing more than you're contributing, you're contributing, you know, and that can create resentment. But then I think it happens in a marriage too. I'm working harder to save our marriage than you are and in, in, in resentment. Or I'm home with the kids, and I'm not making yeah. any money, but you know, so yeah. I'm, I'm doing all this stuff for free and you're getting paid and getting pats on the back and money. And you know, so yeah, I think, I think that can happen in any relationship. Any. Right. So, so business yeah. is no different. Right. Okay, so the next myth is 
Customers will come to you. Yes and no. So it is not, I will tell you this, it is not a build it and they will come scenario. So it's not like launch your website and you've got customers. You're one in a billion websites out there and then nobody knows you exist. And kind of like a podcast. Um, We're slowly building it up. We have to do other things, um, promote it um, to get people to come and listen. People have to refer us you know, or recommend us or say, hey, I listen to something since somebody else will find out. So word of mouth is really kind of the crux and everything. And so the same thing will be on your business. It's it's not like I'm going to open a business and I've got customers, you know, out the door, but you can open a business and strategically plant some information that you're out there doing it and then customers will show up. And then where I would focus mainly on a new business especially a new business without like a tremendous amount of money. Cause that's kind of where my, I said is basically how to build your business, reinvesting your own money is you really want those experiences for your customers to be great. And you want to figure out a way to incentivize them to give you word of mouth. The word of mouth is going to be your king um, thing in the beginning of your business to get people to find out that you exist. So this is where, that marketing piece comes in, you know, we've, we've got a, and it's not just building a website, but it's, it's like you letting people know that you exist, letting people know you're there. I mean, if you're lucky enough to get like a, you know, people talk about location, location, location. So if you're honestly, you know, open a storefront in a very busy part of your town where you get lots of walk by, you know, obviously people are going to come by that know you existed, but they're going to see you there. So there's a bunch of different things that go into that, but you do want that marketing piece so that people know that what you offer. Right. Okay. Next myth. Running my own business will give me more free time. Oh, you're going to love that one. No. (laughs) No. I mean, it is. Okay. So yes and no. So everything's always yes and no today. So at the beginning, I always joke about the, you know, there's a movie, I guess, and I think it's more, I probably misused the term, but I call it the tail wags the dog. And I don't think that actually is. I think the movie's wag the dog. I don't know. It's with Dustin Hoffman in it or something, I think. But anyway, there's this movie. It's called The Tail Wags the Dog, and I use that example a lot. So when I first start a business, any business, the business kind of runs me. It needs all of my sh- – kind of like having a baby. Mm-hmm. When you have that baby, the baby's up all night. It needs all kind of stuff. It can't do anything on its own. It, you know, it needs you. So business will need you a lot when you start it. You're hustling to get customers. You're hustling to get – the product out to the customers you were able to get. You're hustling to get to networking things so that more people can find out about your business. It's really, really, really unbalanced at first because you're doing all the hustling, hoping to be able to generate enough sales to keep you going because that's really cash flow is really what's going to keep you going. And so at first for a business, you're up all night. I mean, it's really like the infant thing. You're Everything you're doing is is trying to figure out how to get to basically covering your nut every month so that you can, you know, make it to the next month. Now, that being said, once you can get up to the point of your business where your business covers its expenses and then you have some, you know, additional cash flow that you could hire another person, you know, then you begin to be able to get some freedom that you can kind of dictate your schedule to a degree. But that is not in the first year. I mean, if you're lucky, it might be in the second year. But really, um, for the first 12 months of your opening your business, um, everybody really almost has to be understanding. Um, if you're married, you, you really need to have this discussion with your spouse, um, your children. Where is that help going to come from? Because at the beginning, when you're trying to get your business off the ground, the balance is very 
um, disproportionate to what it can get to. But again, I, 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 I've, I've used the analogy of having a baby. You know, when you first come home with your new baby, you know, I was exhausted. I was home. My husband would come home, but I would be home all day pretty much recovering, you know, taking all of my, all of my energy went to feed that, you know, or care for that new little infant. It's the same kind of thing with the business. Now, where did the tail wags the dog come in? So that, so, so I always think of the business as the tail. So at the beginning, the tail's wagging and the dog is responding and versus the dog wagging the tail, which means the dog's in control and the tail's responding. Ah. I always think of the business as the tail. So at the beginning, the tail's doing, the, the business is doing all the demands and the dog's just hoping to keep up. And, you know, hopefully it shifts later. Um, where if, I, if the dog is me and the tail's my business, the, um, I get to, eventually I get to wag the tails, which I mean, my idea where I get to have more control. Thank you for joining us today on Lady BizWiz. As always, we value your feedback. Please reach out to us if you have any questions or any ideas for future podcasts. Questions at ladybizwiz.com is where you can find us. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.